Hey guys, what's up? Today is August 30th, 2022 for all you space listeners out there. Um, We have a special guest in studio with us today. We're going to be talking about the St. Louis startup scene, the growth in St. Louis for entrepreneurs, business owners, and we're pretty excited. So Nathan, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about who you Mm -hmm. are? You were on our last episode, but Mm -hmm. take a little bit of time to, you know, really talk about what's going on, who you are, what you do, and a little bit about the scene here in St. Louis. Sure. Uh, Yeah, I cover uh, startups, technology, and innovation for the St. Louis Business Journal. As part of that, I run our St. Louis Inno uh, platform, which is the kind of a standalone publication that focuses specifically on entrepreneurship and startups. Uh, We've got a twice-weekly newsletter that everyone should subscribe to that listens to this. Uh, but we also do events and uh, public awards publications as well. Uh, so yeah, so I've, I've been doing it for four, four and a half years. So I've gotten a chance to cover uh, a lot of the companies that have started up here in town. Kind of at this point, being in the role for almost a handful of years, I've gotten to see companies go from their eight employees to some that are up to 170 employees. So I've kind of been on the ground floor of covering some of these companies. So pretty unique perspective uh, that I've had over the years. Yeah, that's cool. And before we get into like all the business talk, I, I'm curious, how do you guys figure out like the 30 under 30 or 40 under 40 or whatever, because sometimes I'm like, well, how'd that person get there? Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. we're not on that list. I know that's, <laughs> and I'm a little, you know, uh, well, I'm, I'm happy. I get to deflect on this answer. Cause I, I'm pretty hands off on that. We do, we do do an, inno under. I'll, I'll use the example that I'm involved in. We do an, inno under 25 list every year. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. Actually. Uh, we get nominations. Uh, we look through them. Uh, we whittle them down to a certain list, different quite. I think every you look at every every nomination on its own merits. Yeah. Uh, but I know for some like our thirty under thirty, forty under forty, we actually have judging panels do them. So they're like completely. We have past winners and folks yeah. in the community and say, "Here's who we liked out of the, these hundred and eighty, pick the top forty. Yeah, which sort of gives us a little bit because it is a little biased from us to pick sometimes. So we we try to. Well, that's the thing. Like sometimes when I look at the list, it's and and there's nothing wrong with this, by the mm-hmm. way. But it's like. You know, a senior attorney that works at a, you know, a bigger company or something. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. But what about the guy that's creating a bunch of jobs and like innovating and things like that versus mm-hmm. uh, somebody that's working maybe that corporate role? You know, so I, it's, that's where yeah. I'm kind of like that's interesting because I know that there's some people doing bigger things, but maybe they're really good at their job mm-hmm. or something. So yeah, well, with our under twenty five list this year, we tried to make a really like comprehensive list of folks. We, I don't want to give any names out yet, yeah. but you know we've got people in venture capital, people that are founders. But it's really important for me also to include some folks that were employees within startups. Yeah, because it's really easy to glamorize the the founders, and they yeah. do a lot of great work. But they have employees that you know help it make it happen. Yeah, so can't do it without them. Mm-hmm. I know that. So to start jumping into the startups, um, why is St. Louis a place for startups and entrepreneurs, in your opinion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I talk to entrepreneurs, I ask this question a lot, uh, you know, asking it earlier today. I think, obviously, it's uh, a lot of, lot of folks, I mean, here's what I hear from folks who run a business. Since I don't run a business, I'm going to sort of lean on that, what they see. But uh, one, lower cost of living and, and, and operating a business. Uh, a lot of them like that there's a lot of universities nearby here that can pull talent. Uh, you know, one thing I also hear a lot, and I think this is actually, and I agree with this a lot, is that, I remember I was talking to someone who's an investor from Chicago one time, and they're at an event here. And it was like a pitch contest, and everyone, every investor was there. A bunch of people were there, and like he was, he was like just wowed by it because he's like, yeah, I can never get these people in a room together in St. Louis. All the equivalents in Chicago, and I think it's really easy to get a hold of people. You know, there's some people in town who's gonna be hard to get a hold of, but yeah. here, like, you can call up to like, you know, a big business and have a pretty good shot of getting at least meeting with someone who's in the C-suite 
Yeah, they're not. They might not say yes to your idea, but they'll give you the time. Even even fifteen minutes on a phone call, I hear from entrepreneurs. It's like it's like how do you reach out and get a deal with this company? They're like, well, I just emailed them and they got back to me, and I. Just, that's yeah, pretty cool. Do you know who like Brian Matthews is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whenever I had launched the app, um, I reached out to him and I go, I know I'm not ready for funding. Like I know that that's not going to happen. So, but I'd like to pick your brain on like what do I? What are the pieces that need to be put in place to do so? Like down the road, whatever, right? And he took the meeting and he like sat with me for 30 minutes, and he didn't have to do that, but he did it just because all I did was say, Hey, I know I'm not there, but I want to be there, and how do I get there? Mm-hmm. You know, and he was cool with laying out like a platform for me. You know, um, so that's a perfect example. Yeah, of it. yeah, yeah. So, and and that's happened. Uh, I don't know if you know Barry Sandwise. Mm-hmm. He also, uh, at, as that progressed a little bit, another person made the connection. But he sat with me, and he's like, "So wait, you have two businesses." So this was kind of like the me putting that on ice. He's like, "You have two businesses, and you make this amount of money with this business, and then you have this business that doesn't make." any money right now and you he's like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's like just keep doing that and you'll be fine and so i was like that makes sense so mm-hmm. i did and it actually worked out so <laughs> mm-hmm. and you touched on this briefly when you talked about why it's a good place but there's a lot of universities to, to pull from but how do they recruit good employees to come here versus like oh, let's go to LA or San Francisco or Miami. Is it literally just the cost of living? Or because I look at it in two ways of like, if I'm young, wanting to take a chance, I'd almost rather take a chance like living somewhere awesome, like cool. Yeah. Not saying St. Louis isn't cool. Like I've lived here my whole life. I love it. But I just feel like there's other options out there. And how do you get those people to stay? Yeah. I mean, at this point, the the reality is that a lot more being flexible about that. I mean, you talk to most startups in town that are growing that, a greater per- the, the portion of their workforce that's remote and outside of St. Louis yeah. pre-pandemic is obviously a lot more pretty significantly um, than it was you know two years ago. I, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing because if people are interacting with St. Louis in some degree that probably yeah. wouldn't have otherwise. I mean, I think that the challenging part with St. Louis and getting people here is it, like you're relying on the university systems a lot because you almost have to have time here in St. Louis to like realize it's a pretty cool place to live a lot of time. Very few people come here and, yeah. and, and, and are wowed and that's not necessarily... Yeah, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that is, but I, I think yeah, you almost have to rely on the university systems to sort of incubate them and introduce them to St. Louis. I think having people come here, you know, if it's not for salary reasons or whether you're a really promising company, I think it can be really hard. And I think more just letting them be where they're at. Yeah, and I always point to like those pro athletes that come here, right? Mm-hmm. Like look at Albert Pujols, right? Mm-hmm. So he could live anywhere in the world, but he kept his home in St. Louis. Or mm-hmm. you know, all these athletes they come Mike here, Rescue. they play here. Yeah, and they they keep residences in St. Louis for a reason because it is it, it is a good place to live. Now, do I wish? Do I get bored here sometimes? Yeah, I mean, do I wish we had better public transportation or like oh, yeah. that one strip like Nashville has or New Orleans or you know something like that to boost tourism? Absolutely. But um, do you know the history of St. Louis? Like it was booming, nineteen oh four World's Fair, all that stuff, and then supposedly we were supposed to get like. A Disney World or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, there was talks of that. Yeah, and then the mayor shut it down, and we can't, that whatever whoever the mayor was or whatever at that time really like turned off a lot of like big companies from coming here, I think. Um, and so that's kind of why we we faded away in comparison to Chicago or mm-hmm. you know some of these other big cities. So because we were right on the Mississippi, you know, and mm-hmm. back then it was like yeah. this was the yeah. spot. 
you know? Yeah, you know, we were talking about this in our newsroom recently. You're talking about being in the Mississippi. It seems like we're so disconnected from the water now, like for many reasons. Yeah. But, like it's not, that's not even really part of, part of our identity, but we don't really make use of it to. Yeah, it's for, interesting. It's almost yeah. like you drive down 55, right? Mm-hmm. And the Mississippi's right there, but you're so like, it's yeah. just a bunch of like, it seems dirty between the highway and the Mississippi or, and I think, isn't there a new, like, aren't they going to do this huge billion dollar yeah. project? Uh, Where is it going to be? Yeah, you know, I'm a, you know, I, it's a little, it's a little bit, it's like in between, like, where, say where the Arch is at and Soulard's at. Yeah. Uh, okay. But yeah, you know, actually check out this week's edition of the Business Journal because there's going to be a story on that. Have okay. a deeper dive on it. And a yeah. real estate reporter has been spending a lot of time delving into that. Uh, but yeah, it's a bit confusing to me where that's at too. But it's interesting, like, and I don't mean to dive too far, yeah. but if we're talking St. Louis, right? Like when Ballpark Village came, it put all these other like little bars that weren't at Ballpark Village out of business. But then that kind of faded away, took the landing out of play. You know what I mean? But then yeah. there's this another development mm-hmm. and then people go there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then there's another, de- you know, and, and the reality is everything that is cool is just, kind of far away from each other, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like being able to walk there or something in terms, like if I go to a different city, it has a lot mm-hmm. to offer. So, so um, we talked about this off air. Uh, venture capitalists have poured in almost $700 million last year, which is up 300, over 300% from 2014. What does that tell you about uh, St. Louis and startups in general? And then to go along with that, um, the average VC deal in 2014 was $2.7 million and last year was $12 million. So what can you accredit to both of those stats? Yeah, I think St. Louis is definitely, it's grown on its own merit in the amount of venture capital it's lured, but it's also part of a greater trend. I mean, last year was a record year overall, I think, which helps St. Louis start us. But I think that second stat probably speaks more to St. Louis. I mean, I think it's a sign of maturing companies. Like we had a crop of companies maybe five years ago that were all raising million-dollar seed rounds or around there. And now they're raising, you know, eight, twenty, twenty-five million dollar rounds. I mean, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about like clever real estate. I mean, yeah. they, they, I remember I wrote about their first million dollar seed round. They closed an eight million dollar round last year. I invested. Uh, okay, awesome. So hopefully, hopefully they. So you're part. You're playing. You're playing a role. <laughs> <laughs> I just talked to them the other day. They sound like they're doing pretty well. And yeah. then, uh, like a Balto, I remember writing about Balto when they did their million dollar seed round, and now they've since raised fifty-two million. And that was three years ago. So I think you're seeing more companies. The challenge is like that stat's got to be like twenty five million when you look back at it in another five years okay. to really grow. In my opinion, like if you you want those companies to eventually like either or I mean if it doesn't if it doesn't grow, it's because like someone like you know a company that raised twenty five million dollar Series B round just grew so fast they went right to exit rather than having to raise a Series Z or something or Series D. You know, so like you either need you need those numbers to grow or you need the exits one or the other to really. You know, hang your hat on. So I have a, a couple theories on this right now. Yeah. Right. So you look at those stats. You look at like all this, actually, like that that twelve point seven million or whatever it mm-hmm. was. Like these funding rounds going way up. Well, what was really low last year was interest rates. Right. Mm-hmm. So so money was cheap, yeah. especially for oh, yeah. investors. They could go get a billion dollar line of credit at a one percent or something like mm-hmm. that. Whenever federal interest rates are zero. Uh, you know, and they can pour that money into the startups. Well, now that interest rates are rising, do you see a lot of down rounds coming? Oh, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? And and that's where that number is going to be way less this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that if you look at all these companies that are doing layoffs right now, because everybody's like, oh, tech layoffs, it almost seems like every company that's laying off, not, not everyone, but the majority of them are companies that are burning cash to acquire customers. They're not in 
they're not profitable, basically. Yeah. And so now they realize, well, it's going to be hard to get money, more money, and we need to figure out how to become profitable, so we need to cut these people. Do you think that's the reason around any... And this is on a nationwide scale, yeah. not just St. Louis, in terms of tech layoffs and, and you know, getting money. I do think that there there has to be a lot of down rounds coming because the money isn't is accessible even for the investors. Yeah. Well, and some of those email companies, you know, it's easy to blame the companies for the layoffs and they're the ones obviously doing it. But, you know, their investors probably told them when they put that money in, we'll come back in a year, we'll do this round. And now they're coming back and saying, yeah, you know, go go another year. We'll, we'll come back. We'll talk again next year and do that Series C round. Uh, but I think this is actually a big year for companies to actually like, you know, show their weight, you know, that, that they've really got to operate yeah. at a really good, maybe, you know, <laughs> operate at a more efficient level than they thought they would at this time. Well, that's that's my biggest fear with investing in startups. And I mean, I know that there's a formula that a lot of these investors do or whatnot, but when you look at a startup founder who never had to do it themselves, like they always use OPM, other people's money, to build a business, it's it's almost like, you know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. they haven't had the, to really like grind uh, for that. They don't know like how it really feels. To yeah, have to, and I'm not saying they don't work hard, oh, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying like, they make decisions that burn cash with, you know, they're not losing their own cash, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So I, feel, yeah. I always find that interesting. Yeah, it's, too. it's like you get the, you get, it's, you get like two sides of the coin. You get some who are probably reckless with it. Yeah. And you have the others who are like, so like, I'm spending someone else's money and like yeah. not caught, but they'll kind of just do whatever the investors maybe tell them or like, it, it, it's, it's never like, it always seems like it's a two, it's the two extremes that sometimes make news. It's like the people right. who are reckless with the money and then you hear those crazy yeah. stories and it's the folks who are like, I talked on Twitter sometimes like, yeah, the investors are telling me to like go faster, but like I, I'm holding yeah. on, I'm clutching on to it. Because- but that's the thing is like, there's two types of people like, oh, I have all this money to, mm-hmm. and my job is to burn it all or I have other people's money. Holy shit, I have other people's mm-hmm. money. You know, yeah. that's, and that's where like I, I would struggle is yeah. it'd be like, I, I feel more, responsible for other people's money than my own money, <laughs> yeah. right? Like if I burn yeah. my money, that's on me. But if I fuck up and I burn their money, like that's, mm-hmm. holy shit, I just hurt somebody financially or something. Yeah. You know? So it's interesting mm-hmm. how that works. Like the WeWork, so WeWork's out of St. Louis, Out right? of St. Louis, yeah. Have you ever walked there? Walked uh, through that? No, I've seen pictures of it. We tried to go up last week to see when we were doing that story to see if it was open or not. And, but it, the building told us it was closed. So really? They wouldn't let us go up there. But. Uh, yeah, because that building's like getting... Was it? It's been purchased now, right? I don't know. So that, so that yeah, the, so the Met Square building, that one, that one. I mean, that one's pretty occupied, okay. uh, and it got a new owner, I think, in the last year or so. And uh, yeah, the AT and T Tower is the one it just got bought. Oh, which is on a it, that was really low. Was, yeah, it's it's. it's yeah, there's that, no parking. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, all those buildings obviously have taken probably a hit with their valuations with less occupancy and yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, that's probably a topic for another day, but it'll be interesting to see what happens to the downtown. Well, any office. I was just reading yeah. an article yesterday about New York, you know, trying to build new office buildings. Really? Even in New York, there's not enough demand. So I know the former president of AT&T mm-hmm. Midwest or whatever. He wasn't like the C- CEO, CEO of AT&T, but like he was the number one guy in that whole building, you know? And I, I see him every week and I, I ask him, I'm like, that was a good deal. And he's like, yeah, but here's the reality. It's like, it's set up for almost one tenant. So you're going to have to do a lot of work to get it so you can like subdivide it. And there's no parking at all. They had a deal or something across the street with that bridge and they had to remove it whenever uh, they left. So that's an interesting one. But no, that WeWork, 
building. You walked. You were in there. Yeah, yeah. That's where we started the podcast. We started as a book club and over like professional development book club, and then we became a podcast. But that was our first meeting. I could not believe the amount of money they spent on. So I just built it this office and I wanted tempered glass and they're like, well, this is how much tempered glass is for like floor to ceiling. I was like, I'll just do drywall. <laughs> but they have football fields of glass. Like yeah. the amount of money they spent to do that. And that the CEO, and yeah. one of the reckless people to wrap yeah. all that. And up. we just, we just talked about this though. He just came out with yeah, a new company. Yeah. He's and he raised money. the largest amount of money ever. From, Did he get that from Travis? Uh, no, it was from the Anderson Horowitz. Yeah. $350 million, the yeah. largest check they've ever wrote. It's hard to understand what the company does, too. From I read the, what I read on the VC's website, but yeah. I'm sure there'll be more de- details that come. It sounds like it's like yeah. a rental, like apartments and stuff like that, but they're going to like try and make like the WeWork vibe of like, oh, look, we have like, you know, beer and soda in the pool. Oh, man, that just that gave me a business stuff. idea. What if you paid a monthly rent, but you but there were apartments all across the United States and like wherever you Oh, you went. could use wherever. Maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know. He's because he's got apartments in like Atlanta, Miami, New York. Like he's got three thousand apartments that he's already bought. You know, okay. So I didn't see it's that. like that that may be his model because nobody really knows exactly what he's gonna do. Yeah. So it is interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. So also talking about somewhat of an exit because he was exited out of his own company. Um St. Louis hasn't had like a huge large exit. Mm-hmm. Um, or you, you make, you can touch on a few that you said are large, but have taken a big hit since, um, is that what St. Louis needs to be considered? Like, a, like, here's a stamp of approval. Like we are a St. Louis, we are, or, you know, we are a LA, we are San Francisco, like we can sustain this. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends. I mean, yeah, there's a two X's last year with Benson Hill and nerdy that went through SPACs public and they're both, I guess at the time minted unicorns to stock their current valuations would put them below that. But I think, uh, I mean, obviously, if you've got a bunch of venture-backed, you know, venture-backed companies in town, I mean, I guess it helps to have those big exits because you know investors get their returns. But I don't really know if you need. I mean, it, it helps from a PR standpoint of like when you're, you know, promoting your city to, to you know to other investors and other other places. But I don't know. I, I also like the idea of just having a lot of really good run businesses by entrepreneurs here that aren't even if they're only fifty million, hundred million dollar businesses, they're making a profit. They're employing people. I think having a collection of really good run businesses. So yeah, I mean, I guess the analogy is if you had three or four great exits in St. Louis, and then all the other companies were pretty mediocre, like how how good does that do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I think I think exits are important for putting new capital, new people into the right. Into that's the economy. that's the key, right? Mm-hmm. Like, wait, what's going on in St. Louis? Mm-hmm. There's some really good businesses. Maybe that's like a hidden gem, and everybody. If you're missing out, all of a sudden you have all these big investors mm-hmm. come in, right? And then they're pouring cash in all the local startups. But I, what would you say? You interview a lot of these people. How many of the local startups are start are that are here are started and run by people from actual St. Louis? Like I know Clever is, yeah. But you know, if you look at Arch Grants or you look at Capital Innovators, which are some accelerators, like. Capital innovators, they'll take companies from, you know, mm-hmm. Columbus, Ohio, but you have to live here for six months or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, so they come here and maybe they start their company. Does that make sense? In yeah, terms of you, like, yeah, I mean, there's a... Like, are we printing local entrepreneurs or are entrepreneurs coming here? I think if you ask people, they'd want, I mean, you'd always want more, but I think they'd say we could probably do a little bit better job of, of starting entrepreneurs. I think, uh, you know, one thing for sure, I think, 
from what I've noticed, there's probably not enough of a culture of failure yet in St. Louis. I don't think there's enough. Like, you know, there's some places in the country, if you have an idea, you fail. No one's going to look at you bad. I think That's actually, like, super interesting. Like, I feel like we're going to have to write that down as, like, a topic for our podcast. Because I, I do feel like that's actually, like, that's a perfect example of, like, what people need to do. To, like, because a lot of people fail and they never start again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's great. Sorry I interrupted. No, I, yeah, just I just don't know if there's enough mechanisms or even enough support for people to, like, have their space to fail at this point. Yeah. Uh, and some of that, I mean, I mean, obviously there are examples of people who have failed and, and made it back, but… Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the challenge. I mean, I think the the deal is making the entrepreneurs from here, however they came here. Even they came here because a spouse moved here. You know, their families here. Like I've talked yeah. to entrepreneurs like that. Like because, like you said, if you bring those people in from Columbus, Ohio, or wherever they be, like that's great. You're introducing them to St. Louis, and I'm sure they'll make some connections. And even if they leave, there'll be some sort of maybe they hire a remote employee. Mm-hmm. But like those people really, those people can go wherever they want, and they often will because where their business is best. Like if they get a big client in Wisconsin, they're probably going to go there. and who would blame them because right. it's going to help their business? Well, you see some startups move, I would think, over yeah. time. Mm-hmm. You've seen them move, whether it's to Austin, San Francisco, mm-hmm. wherever. Uh, there's more money there. So now I'm trying to get my Series B or mm-hmm. whatever. I need to move my company because that's where the money is versus, yeah. you know, we might do some mid-level funding, but do we ever get that yeah. billion-dollar round or something? And the thing, like, yeah, and it's like I've talked to entrepreneurs who have done that before and gone elsewhere, and it's, it's like— they don't want to. They feel somewhat bad about it, but they have shareholders who are responsible yeah, too. They have, they have employees who are responsible too. So if it makes the most business sense, yeah. they have to do it because, and it's not even, I think sometimes we see it as a slight to St. Louis, which it is maybe structurally of some of the resources they have here, but it's like, I have to, I have to run this business and I have responsibility yeah. to other people. So Yeah, and you had mentioned like the universities around. So you look at Silicon Valley and you have what, Stanford right mm-hmm. there and you have some other top-end universities. Uh, Boston, has two yeah. awesome, you know what I mean? And, and I, I would assume they have a really solid startup scene, mm-hmm. you know, in New York. So, you know, while we do have a lot of universities locally, do you think, I mean, do you think that education is that much top, more top tier towards entrepreneurs? Um, like a Harvard, I mean, Harvard Business School has to be way better than, you know, sorry, Brad, but I'm your sorry. degree from Webster in Business. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And entrepreneurship. So they did offer that there. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know what I mean? And, and so, I, so I, I'm going to yeah. mow your grass a little bit here. Um, so we do have WashU, which I think is obviously, is probably one of the best universities in the country. Um, I don't know exactly which, how much they're pouring in, but I feel like right now the tech space and like science space is probably one of the bigger startup areas for success right now. So we do have WashU, which I think is great. But as far as like a business sense and actual, so I think we probably are farming more of an employee generation here than we are like a founder. Yeah. So, and what's so, so this happened actually at Nebula off Cherokee, whenever mm-hmm. you did that article, they asked me to speak and it was WashU entrepreneurial students, right? And so I had this whole thing like here, because I do, I have a recruiting business and mm-hmm. it was like, here's how I connect with CEOs who hopefully will use my service. So I walk up, and I'm already deathly afraid of public speaking. But I'm like, and the, and these are the smartest entrepreneurial, you know, students in, you know, Marshu, you apart, right? Yeah. And I go, so how many people here want to start their business? And I thought this was like I was just throwing a softball where everybody's like me, and like two kids out of like 26 or something, raised their hand, and I was like, the, my whole what I'm about to talk about isn't going to res. Like yeah. I was shocked that they weren't wanting to own their own business, but they were in. 
WashU's entrepreneurial program. It was yeah. it was baffling to me actually, and so I don't mm-hmm. know. It was just bizarre. Um, so I, that's where I'm wondering is is like pushing like people into their first entrepreneurial experience. Yeah, do we have that? You know, and do we have enough startups for people to work at? Because if you look at a lot of founders who have been very successful, yeah. they started at a startup as an employee, as one of like first employees, and then they yeah. branched out and started their own startup. That, that's what worries me, worries me about remote work. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally get it. Once again, yeah. some of these companies in this labor market, you kind of have to do it. And but like, yeah, take like a, a Balto, for example. Like they were at Top Ops, which was founded by Jim Eberlin, and they went off and started Balto. And yeah. Balto had a huge round last year, and Top Ops got sold. So it's like. You know, two two really great success stories, and like, if you have all your people, you know, which is great, and I understand like people want to live in Austin or yeah. Silicon Valley when they're young and twenty, but like those people, they, even if they work at like a startup here in town, and they say I want to start something myself. There's not, they're probably not going to move to come yeah. here. They're probably going to do it out there, right? Uh, so like, yeah, so they uh, the startups incubate more startups mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. because they create entrepreneurs from being in. The situation that a startup has to go through in the early mm-hmm. stages that mm-hmm. people don't learn about in yeah. schools. Yeah. And something that's interesting, so I do a lot of work for a CFO of a company that just went public, and he was talking just the other week about how these companies are struggling because they'll get these software engineers. Well, they find out that these engineers are working for like for three different companies at the same time because they're all remote. So he's like, they finally found out that they're you know we're software engineers that were working. Four hours a day. Actually, I but they were working for like three different businesses yeah, at the same time, making two hundred grand a year. In the yeah. like in the New York Times and Washington Post about. In fact, I mean, as someone who's barely can keep up with one job, having. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I I mean I know a buddy who does this, and I'm not going to say too much, uh, but he has at one job it's 130 thousand base, at the other job is 125, and I'm I'm like, how do you manage that? And he's like, well, I just make sure my meetings. Or you know yeah. whatever, and he does get the work done because one of his jobs is for a very large company that they almost just pay him to stay on staff for when a project flares up. It's really weird, but they have so much so many mm-hmm. resources. So uh, I do think that happens. A lot. Yeah, for sure. So before we head out, mm-hmm. we have to ask. Mm-hmm. Who is the company or companies that excite you the most yeah. here in St. Louis that you see uh, going from maybe nothing right now to in the next five years could be like your next like business that everybody knows about? Yeah, I'll do a, I'll do a few. Uh, yeah, I think one we talked about in the past in the last episode was this Empower Me Wellness Company. Uh, they've grown like crazy over the last couple of years, but it, trying to do like a new model for senior health, uh, just kind of an interesting space. Intrigues me personally because I had family in, in senior health for a long yeah. time. So the, they're one to watch already. I mean, they just did a deal yesterday, so there are 2,800 employees. There's sort of that one that like, maybe they could be the next unicorn. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, they're backed by Jim McKelvey, uh, backed by Herman Companies. And so they've got some big names behind them. Uh, there's another startup. It's very small. It's called Intermotive. They're trying to make like an autonomous rail car. I saw this. Uh, it's like, you just don't see that in St. Louis very often. Like someone going that ambitious and building something that, like that's something you'd expect on the coast or maybe Austin or, yeah. Boston, uh, you know, one, a couple of the guys came out of, uh, I think one's from Boeing. I forget where the other ones. One of them went to Stanford, I think. So cool that they're in St. Louis. That's one to keep. I your reached eye on. out to them to see if I could make parts for them. Oh really? Yeah, I was like, I mean, this is like perfect. So I reached yeah. out to them. I find that super interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a cool one. Uh, yeah, I'd probably say those are the, sort of the the two ones. There's lots, there's some cool stuff like 
like cover. I mean, this 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 is one that just went just had the exit, but like Covercrest. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. It's an ag tech startup. They're like creating a whole new crop. Okay. Uh, that that can be a cover crop and for farmers and make money and, and then also be used to make uh, diesel fuel. Okay. Uh, but that's like I love that one because like that one took a while. Yeah. But Who did they get bought by? Uh, Bayer. And a Bayer, Bayer yeah. that's right. I so, did see that article. They buy everything. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it has to do with seeds or plants <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Like, but like that one, I was talking to one of their investors and I was like, because he didn't want to sell, right? They were going to sell, but like they haven't even fully commercially launched yet. Okay. Uh, but like they were thinking like, let's sell in like 2026. Yeah. And they came like, well, let's just do the deal now. <laughs> but like, and they're like, but they had like, it's like one of those ones where like it took a while. It was going to take like a decade to get to exit, but it's like, you're not building a new piece of software. You're building like a whole new cover crop. That's like pretty cool. So that those are three that have really been fun to write about. And I, even though Covercrest got sold, it's still got a lot of milestones ahead and could play a big role in, in society. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I appreciate you coming on with us. Yeah. Uh, he's also going to be doing an article on us, I think, right? So it should <laughs> we'll be great. See, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> no, I'm definitely going to share this uh, podcast for sure through our, our channels and... Uh, and so, yeah, if you want to, if you're listening now and you want to find a link to listen to again, subscribe to our we- twice weekly newsletter. Just go to stlno.com. You can find all the information there and uh, we'll have a blurb about this and the podcast in there. Cool. Awesome. Sounds Appreciate good, you coming on. Yeah, yeah. thanks so much.